You are listening to The Partner Podcast, relevant information to enhance the careers and improve the lives of partner-level attorneys. Produced by The Attorney Search Group, we grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers. Visit us on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. Deidre Breckenridge is Chief Executive Officer at Pure Performance Communications. Breckenridge is the author of six business books and speaks nationally and internationally on the topics of public relations, marketing, branding, and social media communications. She's a business writer and blogs about PR and communications and the changing media landscape and collaborative technology. And on today's podcast, I have Deirdre Breckenridge, CEO of Pure Performance Communications, talking about PR and building relationships with the media. Deirdre, thanks for joining me on the show today. Thank you, Scott. I'm really happy to be here with you. You bet. So as we talked before, you're familiar with law firms. You know that some of these large firms have entire marketing departments that handle PR. But sometimes partners, they have to have that frontline contact with people in the media. So what do you think? Do you think it's harder or easier for professionals to build relationships with the media today? Well, I'll tell you, the survey results are in. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I just um, had someone write on my blog the Job of the Week survey. They surveyed over 200 PR professionals to find out that 68% of them said, yes, it is much harder. Mm -hmm. So if you are that in-house PR team, you are finding it tough. Why is that, do you think? Well, it has a lot to do with uh, fewer reporters Mm -hmm. in areas. That's number one. Really hard because there's fewer. They are getting pitched constantly and the volume of the pitches. So you might not be seen if you don't grab them right away with that email subject line that is completely relevant and meaningful. Mm -hmm. You're you're not going to get in front of them. So I think, you know, there are, when I look at a survey and for all the listeners out there, (laughs) it is harder, but that's not to say that you can't do things to make it easier. That in-house team has a lot of access to data through social media that can really help. I'm I'm really big with data intelligence. Well, tell me about that a little bit. I know that when you talk about data helping you create compelling pitches. Let let me kind of back it up a little bit. What do you mean by compelling pitch? What's, what would be the definition, kind of a working definition of that for people that might not have done a lot of work in the, with the media and with PR? Okay. So I'm so glad that you asked this because when I think about compelling pitch, I really call it, it's the passion potential to connect what you have to say and the story to what people really care about. That media outlet, that reporter, that blogger, that influencer, whoever it is today, is serving people, and they care about certain things. And that's where data comes into play. So a compelling pitch is tapping into somebody's passion because you have something relevant that's going to help them, ignite them, and make them care. So what is it for your story to be heard? Okay, so with a law firm, let's say they open up a new office or they acquire another firm, 
that's something that they want to get that news out to the media. How would they go about doing that? And how could they use data to kind of help give them better odds of getting that story seen by the media? Okay, so there are stories that law firms have growth, they open up new offices, they uh, acquire different companies, whatever is going on. The traditional firm thinks in in terms of, oh, let's send out a news release, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what everybody thinks. So I think that you have to sort of step back and first figure out all of the different ways that you can share that story. When it comes to media, media doesn't have to be traditional anymore. You might have a traditional list of outlets where that news release will go, and you can count on them for that news blurb, or, or they'll take a quote from the, you know, the partner, the managing partner of the firm. But you want to think beyond that, because there's a way that you can use social media to say, what is it about the growth? What is it about your company? What is it about your people? What is it about the companies you represent? that really make a story and who, maybe even on social media, could you share with directly? Can you share with bloggers who are interested in the legal space or a certain area of law that you cover? Can you share directly with your own clients who will then get excited that their law firm is growing? I think that's how you have to break it down. Right. So So, let me kind of pivoted towards the issues of crisis. And in today's landscape, if a lawyer does anything, they're going to be immediately caught and it's going to be publicized on above the law and all the legal media. And that firm now has a crisis to deal with. What would be some recommendations you'd give to that firm and those partners that are involved in some sort of crisis management issue as it relates to the media? Well, it's always hard. You always have to know everything that's Mm -hmm. going on with the story. And at least acknowledge that, especially if you're on social media, that you are aware. But I would say that the importance of building relationships beforehand, even before you get to that crisis, that's going to help you. So you want to be able to, the whole point of crisis communications is to get ahead of your own story. Right. Rather than having everybody tell it for you, having those relationships in place so that you can actually share the updates as they happen um, when you can. And of course, with a bunch of lawyers, there's going to be a lot of probably pushback of when to share and what to share and how much to release. But it is all about you as the firm telling the stories. So with that said, you know, even before you get to crisis, it's so important that you have your your crisis planning, that you play out mock scenarios of what could happen. Now, media isn't just, you're not just going to be on your cable stations, you know, your news stations, but it's going to run rampant through social media. Right. And these are all things that you have to think about ahead, as well as what media you're going to want to build relationships with so they can be the conduit to the public and sharing what's accurate and your story, and what you need to get out. So let me kind of drill down on one of those things that you mentioned. And this would probably be more geared towards larger firms that have the resources, that have the marketing departments and the PR firms on staff. 
When you said build those relationships earlier, what action steps would they take to do that? So, I mean, as a part of your crisis plan, that is something where, I mean, I've worked with hospitals mm-hmm. on their crisis plans. So I'm just going to, you know, different industries, certainly, but it goes across every industry. You are pretty much carving out if something happened, how would it work internally through our own channels? What would be the internal protocol when we are ready to share information that is then vetted through whomever is a a part of the crisis communications team to know exactly what media you're going to get it into the hands to? You're going to make sure that you have your prepared statements for any media that comes calling. So you want to make sure to get it out through the good relationships that you have, but yet still be ready for anything that you haven't accounted for. And this is all a part of your your planning exercise. Crisis planning today is not static. It's not some playbook that you type up and print out and it stays. It's constantly changing because different scenarios play out in different ways through social media. I mean, today, if a if crisis were to occur, it's not about having a, a press conference, a physical, it could be, I mean, maybe you have a press conference, but it's also, what are you going to do with this when it starts appearing on Twitter and right. different bloggers are reporting on it too? Well, I liked what you said. Crisis planning is not static. <laughs> Let me run this idea by you. Let's say there's a growing firm. They've grown from 50 to 100 firms. Maybe they're much larger than that now. But they've never had any sort of negative publicity, nothing that's ever become, unfortunately, uh, memorable in the minds of the public. Do you think it would still be worth it for them to at least do a drill, a crisis planning drill, or at least to do a survey or some sort of an audit on their crisis planning response? Absolutely. Everybody needs a playbook today. So let's kind of talk to that then. Let's say there's a law firm leader listening and... And I'm not going to talk about specific situations. You can just go to Above the Law and and see stories that come up from reputable, highly regarded firms, ranging from data breaches to law firm executives in the news, DWIs, you name it. We're human beings, we're people, and sometimes people don't make correct decisions and they get caught and it's in the news. And the law firm might have to suffer from that. So what? let's kind of take it to a C-spot run level in terms of simplest action steps. You're speaking to a law firm leader. What would you advise that they would do to create this crisis plan if they don't have something like that right now? Well, first of all, I think they have to figure out every crisis is different, but who are the groups that they would need to get the information to because people are going to be looking for information. So that is one thing that you want to be prepared, including what information do you even get to your employees? Right. Because let's face it, that's where a lot of companies forget. (laughs) They don't, they don't clue their employees in and their employees are out there and they're not doing it, you know, maliciously. They're answering questions or they're saying what they know or but they're not directing media or who knows, it could even be clients to where those questions need to be answered. So I think it's really figuring out, you know, as a reasonable company, what you could reasonably share, what the public needs to know and what does that public, those publics break down 
too. I'm sure that also on the forefront of all that is how that's perceived by the law firm's clients too. Absolutely. The worst thing in the world is when your client is reading something on social media and it's a data breach and you haven't acknowledged anything. I mean, that, that is another thing. Before information, getting ahead of your story means getting to the bottom of where was the breach? Do we have a workaround? What are the steps that we are taking to you know, uh, stop what has happened? Has it stopped? And what are the steps moving forward to make sure? Because it's all about trust. Right. This is about trust. And let's just say the company that you mentioned who never had any negative publicity. So the, the cup of goodwill is, is pretty full, right? They have a, the public is in favor of them. And when something happens, you want to make sure that you maintain that. And you can, you're not going to have bottom line damage and reputation damage if you can get the information out so people don't read it somewhere and say, what? They didn't even tell me about this. Right. So tell me what you've done. You mentioned that crisis kind of found you in your career as a PR expert. What do you, what do you mean by that exactly, Deirdre? Yeah. So when you're in public relations and, and I'm a marketer, I mean, my firm, which I owned for 14 years was a marketing communications firm. My passion is PR. So I was the partner over the PR and communications division. And it's one of those things we, we kind of joke about it when you're in public relations, whether, I mean, there are folks, don't get me wrong. I, I don't specialize in crisis. There are folks who devote their entire career to crisis communications. Um, a professor, colleague, and friend of mine, uh, Helio Fred Garcia, has written uh, The Agony of Decision. It's an excellent book. It's all about leaders and crisis and decision-making. But when you're in PR and you have a client and you're doing their media relations and something happens or even if it's a marketing client at your firm and something happens, crisis comes to you. Right. And it, it's always found me. And I guess I have been able to help many companies, even though I've never said, oh, yes, <laughs> I'm a crisis communication specialist. So tell me then, from your perspective, how has uh, social media changed PR and media relations over the years? Well, I think that social media scared a lot of public relations professionals in the beginning. I was very early on. I started researching social media. When I wrote my book, The New PR Toolkit, it was co-authored with Tom DeLocry, who was the executive editor of Internet World, which is a publication that is no longer, of course. We were writing back in 2002, and we were talking about web blogs, which are now blogs. And what I realized through all of my research and all of my books, um, this latest book being Answers for Modern Communicators, which does talk a lot about social media, public relations, and marketing, is that I think social media is the best thing that ever happened to PR. Because we talk about this brand awareness, we talk about thought leadership, we talk about trust and credibility. Social media means showing up authentically and being genuine in your relationship building. It sort of peels the layers of the onion because you are in a fishbowl. <laughs> Everybody can see you. And that's probably a really good thing 
Because when you can be genuine, you can build better relationships, you get more credibility, your thought leadership raises, there's so much. And social media has the reach that we've always dreamed of sure. in terms of exposure. So what, what advice would you give to those partners that need to get in front of the media to be media trained? I know within different practices, some people will never ever have to worry about writing a press release or giving an interview. Other partners that I talk to, especially those that are working in highly visible white collar cases, they're on CNN. And I see people that I know on CNN, on MSNBC, those are the people that are in front of the camera. What advice would you give to somebody that needs to be media trained? Yes, I would say that media training is like a, you need refresher courses because media is changing. So back in the day, you know, it, it might've been going into the studio or even the, the talking head, but today you can do your media interviews on Skype. Mm-hmm. Today you're, you're podcasting, video podcasting. You want to have the right background. Right. Today you're crafting, when, you're, when I do media training, you know, we're, we're focusing on all the questions you don't want to be asked, first of all. And then, of course, messaging around your company, but it's stories, stats, and sound bites. Are your sound bites Twitter friendly so that they can be tweeted out? <laughs> you know, it's amazing. You, you look at all these news programs and they're pulling up, you know, what the president said on Twitter and then what, you know, politicians said on Twitter. Well, when you're speaking in your interviews, are you crafting so that? You can have pithy quotes <laughs> mm-hmm. that can go out on Twitter as well. So those are some of the new things to think about with media training. So I like I liked how you synthesize that into story, stats, and sound bites. Yeah. It's important that every message that you want to focus on, it allows people to really visualize more what you're saying. Story stats make it real. You know, we know, and and plus the media loves statistics. Mm. Uh, Stories hit people. Uh, They're, you know, tug at the heartstrings or it can be more compelling and and powerful. And the sound bites, as I mentioned, they travel. They get picked up. People repeat them if they resonate. So let's say an attorney is getting ready to be interviewed by the media on a case that he or she won. They're going to take this whole concept and they want to, in their mind, at least be prepared. What's the story? What's the overarching message that I want to give? How can I give vignettes mm-hmm. that add credibility to this and perhaps even emotional appeal to get people on my side? I'm going to look at stats related to this where three out of four moms choose Jif over other peanut butter, you know, whatever it is. That <laughs> yes, exactly. From, from days, four or five dentists. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so I want to get some statistics ready that I can show them that this is credible. This is based on data. And then the sound bites uh, coming up with phrases that might be mimicked in media. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes in your interviews, I don't know if the listeners out there have experienced this, but at the end of most interviews, the interviewer will say, is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, that's a perfect opportunity to either drive that message home or get that sound bite in. Far too often, people who are not media trained, I mean, from the big interviews to the written interviews to the podcast interviews, I've heard them say, no, 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 thank you. Um, um, that, that, that's it. I'm done. 
because it's almost like they're happy <laughs> that, <laughs> that the interview is ending. That's your opportunity to actually share something. I would also recommend, and this is not done enough, remember every reporter, every anchor person, every you know host of a show, they have an, their own agenda. That's, that's another thing about media today. Well, we've always known there's a bias slant. You know, if you go on certain programs, it's you're looking at one, one angle that's being covered versus another. And it's also just remembering that just because you want to show up and share something doesn't mean that they're not going to ask you a question that might be slightly uncomfortable. Um, I remember uh, working for an admiral, former admiral of the Navy, who had gotten involved with veterans technology. And he was doing a TV show. It was, a, a, I think, a, Prince, a, a TV show out of Princeton, New Jersey. So a local TV station. And we said to him, you know, this is at a time you were going to be asked about veterans and veterans issues. And he's like, oh, no, they're not going to ask me that. I'm going on to talk about my company. We're like, no, we need to prepare you. And sure enough, wow. that's like one of the first questions that they asked because that was on their agenda. Right. So it's getting ready for questions that you may not want to answer, may not expect, but they're going to come up and you want to look like you've, you know, everything. Well, that's a good point, Deirdre. They need to be thinking at a higher level. What is it that the media wants to talk about as we go through the story? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where you can learn so much about the media. So here's another tip for, for listeners. So I like to follow media on Twitter. I mean, reporters, hosts of shows. And I found a tool called Demographics Pro. Uh, They are not a client. I don't work for them. Um, I just think this is a really helpful tool. And it analyzes Twitter handles. So I will go and analyze media handles to learn who's following that media person. Because when I can see what those people care about, I can get an understanding. And this uh, Demographics Pro gives you everything about followers. It, it tells you, you know, simple demographics, of course, location, education, gender, but it goes into influences, the brands they like, the sports they like, the music they like, the hashtags they follow, you name it. It's, you know, information on steroids. And from that, you know, you can even use this in your pitching. That's where it that's that how data helps you. There's tools and technology platforms that allow you to understand the media and their followers. And if you can understand what their followers care about, you can pitch any story. Well, this is great information, Deirdre. I believe that anybody listening to this, if they've got to get ready for some sort of media interview, they can increase the odds of a successful placement of a concept in the mind of the viewers, getting people on their side to see their story just by taking the steps that you recommended today. So thanks for sharing your advice and expertise with us. So let me ask you this. What are sort of the things that you get involved in? If there's a law firm that has a marketing department and they want to train their partners on how to be media savvy, or maybe a smaller firm that doesn't have a PR department or a marketing department, what are some of the things that you get involved in with professional services firms today? So definitely the media training. That, that is a big one because I write about it in my book. You need that refresher course, no matter how seasoned you are. 
So that is one way that I help firms. Another way, and this is something new that is coming out in October, where I've partnered with a communication strategist, and she's actually a TEDx coach, mm-hmm. where we're giving workshops so that you can train like a TEDx and really get your story and be more impactful to those partners who have a story to tell. And then my part of the workshop is to say, now that you have that story, I can help you through my model, engage through social media, when you're on stage, when you're doing your media interviews, when you're in your one-on-one meetings with your clients or, or even other partners. So that's kind of a training session that we're gearing up for. Well, that's great, Deirdre. And then tell me about your book. And I think you mentioned that you could offer a free chapter to people listening today. Yeah. So it's Answers for Modern Communicators, A Guide to Effective Business Communications. It's a simple Q&A book where I answered 150 plus questions all around uh, different things, reputation management, how to socialize your brand, building relationships that last, measurement that matters. It's published by Rutledge Publishing. It is a textbook, although it does not look like a textbook for the classroom. It's really friendly. And you can get a free chapter. I'll say the link, but maybe you can offer yeah, we'll it. Put it, we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. So anybody listening, you can just go to the show notes, click oh, on perfect. that and get it that way. That would be fantastic. Yes. Yeah, so you can go download. I think you get the first chapter, which is learning the essentials. And you know, even if the partner of a firm might not want to read it, they might hand it to their in-house people because right. I'm a firm believer that if you are an executive, maybe you're not diving into your own media relations or social media, but you want to surround yourself with modern communicators so that they know what to do for you when it's good, when it's not so good, they're there to help. Well, this is great content, Deidre. I really appreciate you being here today. We'll even put the whole link for people to buy your book on the show notes as well. Oh, thank you. You bet. Thanks so much for your time and all of your expertise. And I hope that the people listening to this take action on this. And we'll certainly have you back here in the future, Deidre, talking about other issues related to PR for lawyers. Well, I would love that. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. And if you have ideas or recommendations for this podcast, please email me at scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. For more information about the Attorney Search Group and the services I offer as a sports agent for partners who want to find a better platform, visit me on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.